Welcome to the 70th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will talk about Major League Baseball and go over random assorted important news in the world of sports. So let's jump right in with a look at Major League Baseball, starting with the National League East. In the NL East, we have the Atlanta Braves, one of the hottest teams in baseball, at least one of the top three. There are three very strong contenders for that title uh, in various leagues, actually. Uh, with a six-game winning streak to put them at, at the first-place position in the NLE, 65-56 and 56 on the season. They are four games ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies, who have lost four in a row and are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. The Braves are 9-1 and one in their last 10. The Mets are 60-61, and 61, now below 500 after this long stretch that they have against only the Dodgers and the Giants. Probably looking like it's not going to go too well for them. It already hasn't so far, and... I wouldn't be very surprised if it continued based on the status of their team. Uh, They are five games back in the race, and obviously the news today, the big news for the Mets today, was that Jacob deGrom was transferred to the 60-day IL, uh, and he will not be eligible to pitch until September 13th. So very bad news for the Mets, and by the way, if the race continues how it's going right now, I don't think they're going to be in it by then, and if they're not in it, What's the point in throwing out DeGrom? I don't really know. So they might, he honestly, good chance he doesn't play at all for the rest of the season. I would not be very surprised. Then you have the Nationals 12 and a half games back at 52 and 68. Then the Marlins at 51 and 71, 14 and a half games back. Not really much to talk about with those two teams other than the fact that the Marlins still have a run differential that's only one run worse than the Mets and just three worse than the Phillies, even though those teams are within a game of 500 on either end of it. Meanwhile, the Marlins are 20 games under. It's pretty insane, actually. But, I mean, look, the Braves, if if, if the Phillies and the Mets continue to struggle, and when you look at the schedule... The Phillies were playing the Diamondbacks during their losing streak. This was not playing good teams. This was playing the Diamondbacks. In the same way that the Padres lost so much ground in the NLS, and we'll get to them later, uh, the Phillies are losing ground because they're losing against bad teams. Now they play a series against those Padres, which is very important for both of the teams because the Phillies need to get back on the right track, and the Padres need to, well, they also need to get back on the right track, but they they have a very close race they're fighting right now with the Reds. Uh... They're playing tough teams right now, and the Mets, as we said, still, even after this ridiculous stretch where they've already played the Dodgers and the Giants once, they still have the rest of a four-game set against the Dodgers, so three more games, including one tonight. Then they also have three more against the Giants to end this end this stretch. So look, they have a lot, both those teams have some games against some very tough teams, and the Braves, meanwhile, it doesn't look like they're slowing down no matter who they're going to play, and I'm pretty sure that schedule favors them for the rest of the year pretty well. Uh, so... The Braves with this four run lead, with this four game four run lead. I mean, they seemingly have a four run lead in every game, but a four game lead in the division. And a, by the way, a plus eighty six run differential. Everybody else in this division is minus twenty five or worse. So as we're, as we're starting to see, the run differential is starting to even out as we get later into the season. Yeah, exactly. You you've harped on run differential uh, all the time, and it's really beginning to bear itself out in all of these races. Although I did doubt that the Braves' run differential was indicative of anything coming in the future for a while, mostly because of the Acuna injury, but after the trade deadline and that whole entire overhauled outfield, the new pl- the whole platoon of, of reinforcements that they brought in makes it a little bit of a different situation. Yep, Braves have definitely righted the ship um, and are taking advantage of the poor play of the Phillies and Mets, and 
like we talked about on the last podcast, and you mentioned the Mets got to figure out a way to win some games here in this tough stretch and hang on and still be within striking distance because um, it looks, although the, the, the wild card might not be out of out of reach for them if the if the Padres keep tumbling, but we'll get to that. Uh, but before we get to the Padres, let's move on to the National League Central where we have another team in the wild card race. In the NL Central, we have the the Milwaukee Brewers in first at 74-48. and 48. Uh, The Cincinnati Reds at 66 and 57, eight and a half games back, only five and five in their last 10 compared to the Brewers, eight and two. So basically, they're not really keeping, they're not really keeping pace to be quite honest, Uh, but I think we all expect that. But at this point, the Reds probably aren't looking towards the division. They're looking towards the Padres for the wild card race. Uh, And they're really, they're only one game back of the Padres for that second wild card spot. And before anybody wonders about the first game, about the first wild card spot, it's a nine and a half game difference between the Padres and the Dodgers. I highly doubt that. And by the way, if the Dodgers are going to catch the Giants, which we'll talk about later, but if the Dodgers are going to catch the Giants, then that team is 12 games ahead of the second wild card spot. So the first wild card spot is pretty much Dodgers or Giants, whoever ends up losing the division uh, in the NL West. But the Reds really are making a case that they could get to second. Joey Votto has stayed hot after that crazy month of July that he had. And really, he I mean, this team has a chance to make it. I, I think they, they're playing a lot better all around across the board. Their pitchers are starting to pitch like they have in the past again, especially Luis Castillo. Uh, and look, they just have an overall a really good roster. They built a roster to compete, and they are competing, and... When you look at the Padres, and we'll talk again about that later, they have a lot more flaws on their roster, and most of their players right now and all the signings that they made aren't really panning out too well, whereas Castellanos, all-star. Jesse Winker, not a signing, but has been there. All-star, I mean, he's injured right now. They brought up Jonathan India before the season. He's been great. And Joey Votto really has... He's been having one of his better career years for a guy who's a fringe Hall of Fame kind of a player. So... I mean, they're, the Reds are coming, and I think they have a really good chance to take that wild card spot over the Padres. Because as I said, the Padres have not capitalized on the easy teams, and now they're playing the harder teams, and they have to figure it out. And they I, they don't have much room to figure it out. And by the way, right now playing the Phillies, as we mentioned in the NL East, right it, in th- this weekend on this weekend series, it's in my predictions. Uh, and look, this is an important series for both those teams, and it's also an important series for the Reds because they need to make up some ground this weekend while the Phillies are playing a much tougher matchup. Then you have the Cardinals, 11 games back at 62-58, and 58, although they're 7-3 and three in their last 10, not playing all too badly themselves. Then you have the two teams in the dumpster. Uh, at 54-69, and 69, you have the Cubs, 20 and a half games back. They actually won two in a row, but they're still 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Then the Pirates, 42-79. and 79. 31 and a half games back after lose, after getting swept by the Dodgers, losing five in a row, one and nine in their last ten. Yeah, well, the Cardinals, we didn't mention the wild card, but going seven and three, uh, they've met, they're only three and a half back of that last wild card spot, too. The Reds made up ground in the wild card race by going five and five, and the Cardinals made up significant ground in the last ten, going seven and three. Cardinals aren't dead yet. Uh, and, and also, we talked about it last week, that addition of Jack Flaherty is going to make this team a lot better because now instead of every five days having... I wouldn't say necessarily a pushover, but a matchup that you feel is even. They feel like the scales have tilted towards them every five days for an extra win every single time around the rotation, which is something that can be very important. And we've seen it play a big part in a lot of these teams' success. The Giants early in the season had that same thing going with Gosman. The Mets did with DeGrom, and now that he's gone, it's they, they don't have that anymore. The Dodgers have had that with Bueller all this season, 
It has been really important for those kinds of teams. And by the way, speaking of this division, same thing with the Brewers and Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta, which is why they're in first place. Yeah, all right. Well, we've hinted at it. Let's talk about the National League West. In the NL West, we have the San Francisco Giants in the lead at 78-43, and 43, although that lead, even though the Giants have gone 8-2 and two in their last 10, has actually decreased. Uh, the Dodgers are now only two and a half games back of the of the Giants, 76 and 46 on the year, have won seven in a row, nine and one in their last 10, uh, and they have shrunk that gap from five to two and a half. I don't know exactly what the interval was. I think it was in the middle of last week. Yeah, uh, not exactly. Matter of about eight games ish. Yeah, eight, eight to ten games probably, uh, and and mostly also because the Giants have been playing a few extra games from the Dodgers, as the Dodgers had played a lot more games this season. Although now it's only one game difference, uh, and. As you look at it right now, the Giants play the A's, the Dodgers play the Mets. Definitely more winnable games for the Dodgers, whereas uh, the A's, I mean, that's a pretty tough series for the Giants to go on the road against the A's, although I will say I definitely think that the Giants are going to win that series. Uh, But at the same time, I don't see that series being a sweep, no matter who wins it. I I can't see that series being a sweep, whereas I can really easily see. I don't say it's, I'm not saying it's 100%, but I could really easily see the Dodgers sweeping the Mets again. So, especially with the remaining rotation that the Dodgers have facing the Mets in the rest of the series right now, with uh, with Bueller and then Scherzer going. And then I don't actually, I think that is the end of the series. No, that's not the end of the series. There's a, there's another game in the series. Well, but, the Dodgers bullpen games But again, 3-0 three, three and oh in the last three bullpen games, too. And obviously that means that, and by the way, after having Bueller and Scherzer pitch, the bullpen should be really rested. So it's not even a low-leverage reliever kind of bullpen it, game. It's really all of the guys that the Dodgers can throw will be throwing. So very, very important. Uh, for the Dodgers that they sweep that series and then probably honestly can get within a game or a game and a half of this lead and hopefully maybe even the the A's can take two out of three and the Dodgers all of a sudden find themselves a half game back at the end of this weekend. Uh, the Dodgers, though, importantly, have a game against the team in third place that seems like a much more distant third place than how everybody is thinking about it. Look, I'm going to say it straight up. The Padres have zero chance to win this division. This is a two-horse race. I said it last week that it's more like a a two-and-a-half horse race, that it's looking like the Padres are fading and losing three in a row this week, three and seven in their last ten. They have completely faded out of the race. Twelve games back of the Giants. The Giants could slump all they want, and the Dodgers could do the same. The Dodgers could take the lead by five games over the Giants, and the Padres would be nowhere to be found. No, would be nowhere to be seen. I mean, they're just not close in this division anymore. Uh, losing record on the road this season is something to note. While they are forty and twenty-four at home, that's still worse than the Dodgers and Giants' home record. And then they're also, and then they also have that losing record uh, on the road. By the way, worse run differential than the Braves. This team is not, it, there is no metric that can satisfy that this team has any chance of winning this division. And I think also when you look at the rotation, this is a team that has a really good roster on paper, but the roster just isn't performing. Blake Snell has had probably out of, out of his last seven, eight starts, five really good ones, and yet his ERA is still sitting at 4.8 on the year. Uh, that's not good enough for them. And by the way, you Darvish has now been injured. He, he, his ERA was in the twos, in the mid twos earlier in the season by the all-star break, all of a sudden, all the way back down to 3.7. Everybody's going in opposite directions for the Padres. It's just not good enough right now what they're getting. And by the way, they bring Jake Arrieta in and we'll get to this later. He didn't really do much. Uh, so the Padres, 
Look, they're just focusing on holding on off the Reds right now. I mean, they should stop looking at the division, even though they play the Dodgers uh, starting, I believe, on Monday, maybe on Tuesday, for a three-game set or for a series. It should not be that important to them. What should be important to them is making sure that they can at least take a few games off the Dodgers to make sure that the Reds don't take over that second wildcard spot because, frankly, it could happen very, very soon. It's a one-game lead they have over the Reds. It's nothing. There is no cushion. If they lose today against the Phillies and the Reds win today, it's gone. They're tied. So the Padres, no room, no room for error whatsoever. Uh, And frankly, I am not high on their chances. I like the Reds to take the wild card spot from them. Yeah, the Dodgers now a whopping 207, plus 207 run differential, by far leading uh, leading all of Major League Baseball. They're getting healthy. We said this. If they could stay close and they get healthy. And by the way, Mookie Betts isn't even playing. So they still aren't completely healthy, and it's beginning to show. Although they've managed to win uh, a few very close games where they didn't score a lot of runs. With the Dodgers, it seems like now they're finally getting enough to win the close ones, and then they're just games that are complete blowouts and mismatches. Yeah. Uh, As as a lot of people have noted, uh, the Dodgers have had a really boomer bust offense. And it seems like if they could make it consistent and average the same amount of runs, but actually make it more like an average and less like a and less like a collection of a really raw data set, then it really could be a much easier season that the Dodgers are having right now. But when you look at it recently, as you said, instead of those boomer bus games being fourteen and then one, it's nine and then two, eight and then three. And because of that, just enough. With the team having, I believe, what a 1.87 ERA in in August or over the last 12 or so games, it's not possible to beat this team playing like this when they get even the slightest bit of support. And by the way, speaking of Walker Bueller and his and his case for winning for for winning every five days and giving that Dodgers that comfortability, the two times Walker Bueller has lost this season, a no hitter and a shutout by the, by the opposing pitch. team. No. So the Dodgers don't lose when Bueller's on the mound unless they literally get absolutely no run support. By the way, the Dodgers were being no hit last weekend for six and two thirds of an for six and for for six innings and a third, I believe. Will Smith hits a solo home run. They win the game in extra innings, two two to one against the Mets. It, it, it's it's almost impossible to beat Bueller, and because of that, the Dodgers are taking all those games. And look, this division is going to get really really close and really really fun down the stretch. Yeah, so you don't you want to talk about the Rockies? I know we don't talk about the Diamondbacks anymore. Any any word on the Rockies besides the fact that uh, they're actually uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde team? In Rockies terms of the home record forty one and twenty one, which is very very good home record, and then fourteen and forty five. Well, I mean, on the road. pretty much if if you only took the home records, the Padres would be fourth in this division, and the Rockies would be tied with the Dodgers actually. So that just lets you show that just goes to show you how bad they are on the road. Because they have the same record as the Diamondbacks on the road, but yeah, the Rockies fifty-five and sixty-six, twenty-three games back. Uh, although they did win three in a row, I, I, I believe that was against the Padres actually. Yes. Uh, and then the Diamondbacks have actually also won three in a row. That against the Phillies, forty-one and eighty-one on the year, thirty-seven game, thirty-seven and a half games back. All right, let's move over to the American League, starting with the American League East. In the AL East, we have the Tampa Bay Rays, who have the best record in all of the AL. They are five games ahead of the New York Yankees. Although, by the way, the Rays win four games in a row, and they and a team that they were up ten games on a few weeks ago is all of a sudden still only five games back of them. So let's talk about the Yankees, the real story of this division. Eight and two in their last ten, seven wins in a row. You could make the argument, beside the Dodgers and the Braves, this is easily the hottest team in baseball right now. 
Maybe you give it to the Dodgers. I would give it to the Yankees because of who they're playing because they're not playing the Pirates and the Mets. They're playing the Red Sox. And by the way, speaking of the Red Sox, that 10-game division lead that they had back in really, honestly, really late July, only like three weeks ago, is gone. They're now back of the Yankees, one and a half games, six and a half back of the Rays. That that Yankees seven-game winning streak includes a three-game sweep over the Red Sox at home. By the way, something that the Red Sox did twice earlier to the Yankees this season. Uh, and now the Yankees take over second place. Boston, as I said, six and a half games back. I've lost three in a row, four and six in their last ten. Uh, the magic has really started to wear off. I don't really know exactly what the Red Sox need to do to make this better. Uh, the Yankees in close games are just crazy. I believe the stat is that they're 43-23 and 23 in one or two run games on the year, which is just insane. It's the best record in baseball pretty easily. Uh, there are another. The Giants are one of those teams who are also up there. The Rays, same thing. But the, look, the Yankees have won a lot of close games. And with that, and they're getting healthy now. And you also add getting healthy with adding with adding Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo. I mean, they sent out as as Luke Voigt described it. They sent out the goal line package as their one through five hitters a few days ago, and it almost felt like they were just messing with the Twins as they sent out five guys six three and above <laughs> as their one through five hitters. By the way, one of them the home run leader in the league last year. One of them 10 home 10 20 home run seasons since 2010. The other one and the other two or the other three, Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, Joey Gallo. You can't say enough. The Yankees with this roster are just they are really too good. I mean, this is the team that I had before the season playing the Dodgers in the World Series. This is exactly who that team is. Uh and this is going to allow them to maybe take the division lead, I'd say they're a lock to make the playoffs, though. I don't know exactly where. They might slump again and go back down to the second wildcard spot, but I see them. I see there, there being no path for them to miss the playoffs anymore. Right now, they're uh, they're up one game for the first wildcard spot. Yeah, and then you also have, and that's after the A's also won seven in a row, so that just goes to <laughs> there's not much hope for other teams. Uh the Red Sox, although, still could get the wildcard from the A's. And by the way, the Blue Jays, 10.5 back. 63 and 56, they still could uh, catch up to the A's or, or the Red Sox, whoever's in possession of the second wildcard spot by the end of the season, uh, although they have lost two in a row and also four and six in their last 10. And by the way, that plus 118 run differential not helping them out. So they've won a lot of blowouts, not a lot of close games. And then you have the Orioles 36 games back, 38 and 82. But really, this is the Yankee show right now. Yeah, and as you mentioned, the Red Sox with a chance for that second wildcard, only a half game back, one game in the loss column behind uh, the Oakland A's. But right. definitely, I mean, a few weeks ago, probably seven games up on the A's as the A's sat in the second wild card spot and they sat at the top of the league and yeah. in the best the record in the AL. Are in free so, fall right now. yeah. Let's see if they can right the ship. Yeah. All right, let's move over to the American League Central. Not much to talk about here other than the fact that the White Sox are still doing just enough. By the way, five and five in their last 10 has maintained the exact same division lead over the week. That's how bad this division is. Uh, just enough to maintain their lead over the rest of their division. Important series this weekend as the Rays possibly are against the Rays to possibly win some games and get closer to home field advantage in the AL, although the Astros are still are, are actually still ahead of them by half game for that advantage. But at the same time, if the White Sox are able to get get these get two out of three off the Rays, that would be pretty important for them. Uh, and you know, the home field for them would be very, very important. And I think also when you look at some of the other teams that they might have to be facing, look, the Yankees are only behind them by one and a half games. If the Yankees end up winning the division, they will take home field, I'm pretty sure. Uh, just just guessing off of what they'd have to do to win the division over the Rays. 
So if the White Sox want that gap to be closed and they don't want to have the, the AL postseason run through Yankee Stadium, they better win these games this weekend. Other than that, not much to talk about in this division. Although at the same time, I did say that the Padres were eliminated from their race, so I guess the Indians are are, are actually closer than the Padres somehow. To the, the it's crazy. The Indians are only eleven and a half games back. I say only are eleven and a half games back. The Padres are twelve games back. So by the way, going back to that point for a second, it's not even close. We don't say that the Indians have any chance of winning this division. So why do we say the same thing with the Padres? I I don't know. Uh, but. Look, this is this is the White Sox division to lose. I'll run through the other teams' records just for the hell of it. Um, the Indians fifty-eight and sixty-one, eleven and a half games back. Tigers fifty-eight and sixty-five, thirteen and a half games back. Still waiting for Miguel Cabrera's five hundredth home run, and also gave up a ten to two lead to the Angels, losing thirteen to ten a few days ago. Then you have the Twins fifty-four and sixty-eight, seventeen games back. Really bad season for them. And the Royals finally in last, fifty-two and sixty-eight, eighteen games back in this division. All right, let's move over to the American League West. The Astros and the A's lose four games in a row heading into Thursday, but both teams won on Thursday, maintaining that status quo in the division. That status quo is the Astros at the top at 71-50, and 50, with the only run differential anywhere remotely near the Dodgers at plus 164. The next best teams coming in at plus 138, plus 139, plus 143. Uh, but... The Astros really have been dominant all year long, although 5-5 five and five in their last 10, so are the A's. The A's are 69-53, and 53, two and a half games back, so keeping this close. The Mariners are 66-56, and 56, five and a half games back of the Astros, and playing the Astros this weekend in what could be a really important series. I mean, look, the Mariners sweep this series, and all of a sudden the A's could be in the division lead, and they are only two and a half games back. So, And by the way, Mariners are, have won three in a row, eight and two in their last 10. So they do really have a legitimate chance to win this series, although, as you might know if you've looked at my Instagram or my or my website, I don't have them winning this series. I have the Astros bouncing back from that four-game losing streak to win the series. Then you have the Angels, who are just above 500 at 62 and 61. They are 10 games back, uh, won three in a row, but that's against the Tigers. Doesn't really mean much. Five and five and five in their last 10 games. Then you have the Rangers at 42 and 79, 29 games back, trying to figure out who are the best prospects on their team. All right. Well, that wraps up our look at Major League Baseball for this week. Now let's take a look at some more random, assorted, important news in the world of sports. This week, it's pretty much all in baseball, though I could I could dabble into some other stuff that's half baseball-related and half not baseball-related, which I probably will do, just a little bit of a freestyle. Uh, Freddie Freeman hits for his second career cycle, and he credited his wife giving him the cappuccino with, quote, a lot of hits in it that morning <laughs> in Miami. Ironically, I didn't think he had a cycle in him, and in fact, in his entire career, he has 24 triples, so only 24 possible opportunities to get the cycle when you look at it, because in my mind, he hits a lot of home runs. We know he's going to hit a lot of those. I think he has probably 200, 300, something like that in his career, so I'm not going to treat every game he hits a home run as an opportunity for a cycle, but anytime Freddie Freeman hits a triple, because that's the most rare thing for him, uh, he, he has a chance at the cycle. In fact, the triple he hit this game... His only triple of the season. Of course, it just also happens to come in a game where he hits another home run, he hits a double, and he also hits a single to hit for the cycle. Congrats to Freddie Freeman, though. Very rare to see the cycle, and good for him for getting one because he is one of the least likely people to get it, to be quite honest. You'd think of a guy like Trey Turner, who has one earlier this season. 
Uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if Tatis did it while I'm while my back is turned for about 30 seconds. I mean, he could very easily get a cycle. He has all, he has better power than Freddie Freeman and about I don't know uh, the, the speed comparing like maybe an average football player to an Olympian uh, to an Olympic track runner when you when you talk about speed. So again, a really surprising candidate for the cycle, but it's always cool to see that happen. So pretty cool for Freddie Freeman. And by the way, that cycle helping the Braves on that win streak. Very, very important that all the, that, that team is firing on all cylinders, and they really, really are. Speaking of a team who's not firing on all cylinders, the Padres signed Jake Arrieta, and immediately after his first start, his name was trending on Twitter, but for all the wrong reasons. He gave the Padres just 3.1 innings, but gave up five earned runs on seven hits and took the loss to the Rockies. So something I rarely do is ask you questions, but I'm going to ask you this. What do the Padres do with their rotation long term? Because to be quite honest, I have no idea. They whiffed at the trade deadline. They tried to get Max Scherzer. The, the Dodgers, the Dodgers obtaining Max Scherzer was so important for two reasons, and maybe more important. Although with Dodgers injuries, it's now equally as important for the Dodgers. But it was the Padres' only chance. I think the Padres put all their eggs in one basket. They probably need to get two starters, and they didn't. Now they've. Now they signed a guy, not that the Cubs traded, they signed a guy that the, the Cubs, Cubs released. released. <laughs> um, you know, the Dodgers also probably blocked them in the Cole Hamill sweepstakes, which at the end of the day didn't mean anything because Cole Hamill's a shut down for the rest of the year. Right. The Padres have no no chance. I don't know, I don't know the Padres farm system. There's nothing they can do. Well, so interestingly enough, another thing is that Jake Cronenworth uh, can pitch. <laughs> That's maybe a good option. He was I a mean, closer in college. That that that's probably the closest option they have. But uh, you, you speak of their farm system. Their top prospect is a shortstop. He shut down for the year, but obviously they don't need a shortstop because of Tatis. And their infield is probably one of the best in baseball, if not the best. But in terms of pitching solutions, all their top prospects. Because I actually looked at this before we recorded this because it was like they should just call somebody up. Their top prospect that has any chance of being in the MLB is Mackenzie Gore, but he's currently pitching in rookie ball, uh, even though his MLB ETA is 2022, which is next year. But everybody else on their on in probably their top, I think their top 10 of prospects that's a pitcher is an ETA of 2023, 2024. So they'd be rushing a guy up if they wanted him to start. Although they do have one, although they do have one of their top prospects in the majors right now in the bullpen, but I don't, I don't think he's helping very much. Maybe so. Bartolo Colon can make a comeback. He's doing funny commercials and he's ageless. I don't know, better than what they have. I, they, I, there's, the, no, there's no answer. I, it's really, it's really tough. And I mean, as we said, look, it's not even just the guys that they're trying to sign and throw in. It's just the fact that even the guys in their active their rotation are underperforming. Yeah, yeah. Their top line starters. And, and you Darvish is now injured. I mean, Joe Musgrove has been the only one who's been consistent all year. His ERA, I don't think, has ever gone over three. He has the no-hitter this year, and I think his ERA is still at like 2.5, 2.6, a good level. Meanwhile, you Darvish has had some slumps and some injury issues, I think two IL stints now with with back issues. Then Snell hasn't been good all year. Maybe uh, they tell Snell, uh, hey, pretend you're in Tampa Bay, we're only going to throw you for five innings, and maybe he goes back to his old form and they patch together some games. I well, know. I mean, one of, one of his quality starts that I was talking about earlier was a four-inning scoreless start. So, it, it, he he's doing his old antics where he can't really pitch too far into games, and he just seemingly hasn't. Uh, but at the same time, he's been pitching better, but better to get to a 4.80 ERA isn't enough when you look at the whole season. And then when you have Arietta starting, I mean, look, the Dodgers are figuring it out with three bullpen games. The Padres might as well honestly bring up more bullpen arms and gut the bench because I think you have enough players that can play every day that you don't necessarily need as many players on the bench as they probably have right now. I honestly think it's a viable solution 
to have a backup catcher and two and one guy who can play the infield and the outfield, and another guy who could do the same thing, and just bring up all pitchers and throw a lot of bullpen games That's because I don't. They have brought up a lot of bullpen arms this year. I believe they've used twenty six or twenty seven bullpen arms. So look, why, why can't you continue to do that? They're all MLB ready. It might be the best option to be quite it's honest. Probably their only option besides keep running the same guys out there and hoping and just for hoping a it gets result. better. Yeah, and we know what that means. You're doing. You're insane. And also, Jake Arrieta is not going to no. get better. No. Uh, I think, by the way, the, the the straw that broke the camel's back for him was he got released because he gave up eight runs in four innings in a game two weeks ago, and the and the Cubs just said that's it. And then they put him back in basically in his regular spot in the rotation, three innings, five runs, not going to do much. Uh, and it looks like he's actually going even worse than he was to start the season, where he was already at a 6.8 ERA. Yeah, they don't have any good options. So, moving on from the Padres, but now to some positive news. The Field of Dreams sequel has officially been announced. The Reds and Cubs uh, are playing in that series, and just like we discussed, they did take one of those teams out of the NL Central, this time the Cubs, uh, that we thought we thought maybe the Cardinals, the Cubs, the White Sox, you rotate those three teams, change who they're playing every year, find a good team, deal with it. Maybe a little bit disappointed that they didn't do it with the Dodgers because I thought they might do that. And by the way, I think it would be great to see the Dodgers and some Brooklyn Dodgers throwbacks. Uh, and by the way, they should probably just send the the Dodgers and the Giants there at some point. Uh, maybe they do have plans for that in the future. But both of them are playing on the East Coast. They can yeah. they can stop stop yeah. over on the way back. Why not one game series? Why not? Or maybe they're flying back to play each other. Why not? I mean, and by the way, they did the same thing. They, they What did they do with the Yankees and the White Sox? They gave them an off day the day yep. after, so they could very easily do that same thing. Uh, and, I, I mean, I'm not complaining, though. I, I love that they're going to continue this series, and I think if you only do it once a year, I think it's good enough. I don't think it should be done more than once a year. And, frankly, I'm on the side that if you're going to talk about once a year or really once in every <laughs> every once in a while i'd actually err more on the side of every once in a while but if they're going to keep it at once once a year i'll take it i'm fine with that interested to see what what throwback unis the reds will be wearing and what the cubs are wearing because i don't really know their uh their uniform history i don't think it has changed too much for Not them much. they might have the old logo with the animated uh, old school bear and, right um, whereas in a circle whereas the white Sox and the yankees really have gone through some drastic changes yeah. in their logos uh but yeah, pretty interesting that they're going back with that Field of Dreams game, and I think it'll be another fun game next year. And uh, by the way, the Cubs do have a Triple A team in Iowa, so maybe somebody will finally get a really good a, a really good call up where they don't have to move much, uh, which is very very rare. They could literally walk through the cornfield. Yeah, just why like not? Yeah. Uh, and in more positive news, Travis Darno has signed a two-year, sixteen million dollar extension with the Braves, also with an eight million with an eight million club year long club option. Uh, for 2024, I believe. So that's pretty important that the Braves are going to get Travis Darno back. Uh, and speaking of other news that's not really related to Travis Darno at all, Giannis Antetokounmpo is buying a stock in the Brewers, kind of mock, kind of not really mocking, but mimicking what Patrick Mahomes did after he signed his deal, buying a stake in the Royals. Uh, it's very cool to have big stars in other sports be involved in ownership groups of other sports, whether they're smaller or not, because Kevin Durant being a member, being uh, a, a, one of the founding members of an MLS team, okay, that's cool, but at the same time, the MLS, in terms of franchise value, pales in comparison to the size of MLB teams, so cool for Mahomes, cool for Giannis, show some long-term commitment to the city, exactly, uh, and also is just a, a good thing that will probably even bring him some more perks that he'll, he'll like in the future, and look, shows your commitment to the city. 
help the small market team out. You know what that is because you play in that city, and I think it's a good decision all around. I love that Giannis is trying to dabble into other sports, and I want to see more athletes do this. So, I mean, it'd be, it'd be pretty cool if somebody would. Although I won't, I wouldn't really blame LeBron if he doesn't want to join the Lakers ownership, the the Dodgers ownership group because it's a little too expensive. Well, and they already have Magic Johnson. Who's yeah, sort of so he, Magic yeah. may have been the first guy to do that first. Uh, probably not. But not really an active profile. player, though. No, yeah, exactly. Highest profile. And it's very interesting when active players do it. So uh, it's still I, fun. I love though. The, like you said, I love the fact that it shows the commitment to the hometown and. And by the way, it's actually a it's little very good for baseball. That that shows that like the two hotter, cooler sports and two of the hottest, coolest uh, players in each of those sports, high profile in the NBA and the NFL, want to buy a stake in a baseball team. Couldn't be better publicity for a baseball, especially for a small market team. And two, well, one of them that's doing very well, but the other one that hasn't had much success since yeah. winning World Series. But by the way. At the same time, uh, you could see this happen with a lot of other guys. But at the same, but the weird thing for me was Mahomes signed a 10-year deal, so he's going to be there forever. But Giannis did this with only four, I think, five years left on his contract. So I, I wonder if that's like a five years in the future kind of a thing that we look back on it and he and maybe he say he changes teams. We look back on it and say, is he really playing for the Lakers while owning part of the Brewers? That doesn't make any yeah, sense. Be a little weird. But uh, I get. But honestly, that might be a good. Th- there might be a lot of Bucks fans who are reading a way too much into this and might be saying, "Giannis is going to stay with us for life." Yes, let's go. But uh, I, I think that might be a little too much. Or there might be Brewers fans that are worried the franchise is moving to Athens, Greece. That would be a problem. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, on that note, we'll wrap up this edition of the Fourth and Twenty Four podcast. Please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Monday, August 23rd, where we will see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions, discuss our preseason top 10 for college football, and have a content update. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his MLB Power Rankings, on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.